God rescues his people. That was chapters 1 through 18. Here we learned of the dramatic events of the burning bush, the plagues, the Passover, the exodus itself, and the parting of the Red Sea. Act 2, God makes a covenant with his people. This was chapters 19 through 24. Here we saw God bring his people to Mount Sinai, where he made his glory known in an awesome display. And he gave his instructions on how to live in faithful response to his love for them. Those instructions took the form of the Ten Commandments. That was chapter 20. Then in the following three chapters, he gave more commandments about worship and community that further explained and applied those Ten Commandments specifically for the Israelites at that time in their history. God was to be their God, and they were to be his people his treasured possession. Then in the final scene of Act 2, the Lord invited representatives of the people to come and eat a heavenly meal with him. Finally, God invites Moses alone to come farther up the mountain to receive all his laws in written form. Act 2 ends with chapter 24, verse 18. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain. And he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. That brings us to Act 3. God moves in with his people, or the tabernacle. This will be the remainder of the book, chapters 25 through 40. The Lord wanted his people to know he was with them, that he lived among them. But how could a holy God live among a sinful people? Well, this is what the tabernacle taught. All its rich symbolism, all its divine services and sacrifices proclaimed this message, that a substitute will die, so that a sinful people can be made holy and have fellowship with God. This podcast will cover chapters 25 and 26 of Exodus. And as we've done the last couple of times, I'm going to ask you to read those chapters on your own. I'll just highlight and comment on a few of the verses. Let's pray. My guilt, O Father, you have laid on Christ, your Son, my Savior. Lord Jesus, you, my debt, have paid and gained for me God's favor. O Holy Spirit, fount of grace, the good in me to you I trace. In faith and hope, preserve me. Amen. Chapter 25 begins, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather. Acacia wood, olive oil for the, for, for, the, for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make for me a sanctuary, and I will dwell among them. 
God would take up residence among his people. Now certainly the Almighty God, who had parted the Red Sea and provided daily manna and quail, could have just dropped this tabernacle from the sky. But he allowed them to provide these precious materials. Later, he will give detailed instructions for their craftsmen to construct it. Why? Well, for the same reason he allows us to bring our offerings, to construct buildings today where his work is carried out. Why he allows us to support pastors and teachers who proclaim his word, even allows us to be the messengers of this new covenant in his blood. It's all his grace, his undeserved love, which gives us this amazing privilege. In love, he invites us to be part of his work. And because our offerings are to be a response of faith, an expression of our love for him, he says to Moses, you are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. The Lord didn't hand down any blueprints from heaven for us to use in constructing our church buildings today. Christ set aside the ceremonial regulations of the Old Testament by his sacrifice on the cross. But, like the Old Testament tabernacle, our sanctuaries today help us visualize how God comes to his people today. In our sanctuary, the central focus is the cross. For it was at the cross that Christ made atonement for our sins and restored fellowship between us and a holy God. A table is prominent in the middle of the chancel, for here we gather as a family to receive the sacred meal of his body and blood, a meal that assures us that peace has been made and reminds us of the heavenly banquet to come. Here at table, we are one with God and one with each other. A pulpit stands to one side. Here God's word is proclaimed. Christ speaks today through his called servants. A baptismal font on the other side reminds us how we came into God's family, how God put his name on us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and adopted us as his children. Like the Israelites, we use our free will offerings to provide a place which gives honor to our Lord and shows how important the work is which takes place here. When we construct a building, we usually start with the structure and then move to the furniture. But the Lord starts with the furnishings, starts with the central furnishing, the Ark of the Covenant. Everything else was planned around it. We continue at verse 10. Have them make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Roughly four feet long and two feet wide and tall. This was the hot spot, if you will. This was the place that most emphasized God is present among his people. The tabernacle was to be a movable structure. During their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they would move from place to place, so the ark would have to be moved. God instructed that it was to have poles attached by rings on the sides, and the poles were never to be removed so that the ark would never have to be touched. Inside the ark was to be placed the testimony, that is, 
the tablets of stone on which God would write the Ten Commandments. Verse 17. Make an, make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. And make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There, above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. It didn't just symbolize God's presence. This is where God said, I will be present with you. The top of the ark was called an atonement cover. Here the high priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice. The people's sins against the Ten Commandments. Remember, those tablets with the Ten Commandments were lying underneath that cover. The people's sins against the Ten Commandments were covered by the blood of a sacrifice, so that God would not look at their sins. Those sacrifices and the blood foreshadowed Jesus' work. His blood, his innocent death on our behalf, covers all our sin. Only in this way, only by Jesus' blood, can we approach a holy God. The cover, made of pure gold, had two cherubim. That's a kind of angel, had two cherubim on top facing each other with their wings spreading upward. Remember how God placed cherubim at the entrance to the garden after man's fall into sin back in Genesis? Now, the angel guarded the way to the tree of life so that man could not eat of that tree of life. His sin had separated him from God and Eden was ruined. Well, here, through the blood of a substitute, God was making a way back to him so that his people could have fellowship with him. The next furnishing to be, to be described was the table, also made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold. It was to have plates and vessels of gold. How this was to be used is, a, is explained later in the book of Leviticus. To put it simply here, the bread that was placed on this table, the bread that was a gift from God to his people and then an offering back to God, was a symbol of God's fellowship with his people. God gave instructions for light inside the tabernacle. Verse 31, Make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer out its base and shaft and make its flower-like cups buds and blossoms of one piece with them. The seven lamps, one on the stem and three on each side, had a container for oil and then a wick. The utensils for trimming the wicks and filling the oil lamps were also to be made of gold. The golden lampstand with seven lamps looked like a tree, flowers, buds, blossoms, branches, Reminding us again of the trees in the Garden of Eden. 
All the interior walls were overlaid with gold so that the light would reflect throughout the room. The Bible often speaks of light as a symbol for Christ, the light of the world. And Jesus instructs us to reflect that light out to others. Next, we move to the curtains and the framework of the tabernacle. Notice that as we move from the outside courtyard to the innermost room where the ark was, the fabrics and the metals become more and more precious. The metals, for example, move from bronze to silver to gold. The craftsmanship becomes more involved. Perhaps not to the same degree, but you can still see this in, in our sanctuary today. It is intended to convey that God's presence among us is the most precious gift that we will ever have. Chapter 26, verse 1. Make the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen and blue, purple and scarlet yarn, with cherubim woven into them by a skilled worker. On Mount Sinai, God showed Moses an exact model of the tabernacle. So while some of these instructions in chapter 26 may be a little hard for us to follow, they were clear to Moses. The inner curtains were a beautiful tapestry. The fine white linen symbolized purity. Embroidered into the linen were threads of blue, the color of the sky, purple, the color of royalty, and scarlet, the color of blood. Can't help but think of the beautiful pyramids we put up in church with their intense and meaningful colors. Jumping down to verse 15, we find instructions on the framework. Make upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame is to be 10 cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, with two projections set parallel to each other. Make all the frames of the tabernacle in this way. Make 20 frames for the south side of the tabernacle and make 40 silver bases to go under them, two bases for each frame. Remember, the tabernacle was built to be taken apart, moved, and reassembled as they traveled through the wilderness. By taking the height and the width of each board, roughly 15 feet by two and a quarter feet, and the number of boards on each side, we can come up with the dimensions of the tabernacle. It was 45 feet long, 15 feet high, and 15 feet from side to side. Jumping down to verse 30. Set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasp and place the Ark of the Covenant Law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Put the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant Law in the most holy place. Place the table outside the curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and put the lampstand opposite it on the south side. An inner curtain divided the tabernacle into two parts, the holy place and the most holy place. The most holy place, the innermost room, was a perfect cube, 15 by 15 by 15 feet. 
It contained the ark. The holy place contained the lampstand and the table. The curtain that divided them was made of beautiful colors with figures of cherubim worked into the material. Only the high priest, and he only once a year, was allowed to pass through this curtain to sprinkle the blood of a sacrifice on the atonement cover of the ark. The curtain symbolized that the only way that sinful man could approach a holy God was through the blood of a substitute. When Jesus died on the cross, this was the curtain in the temple, which was torn in two from top to bottom. The book of Hebrews helps us to understand the meaning of the tabernacle and the curtain when it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that way is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us not And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The message of the tabernacle was powerful and clear. The Lord would live among his people. They were to approach him, but only through a mediator. A sacrifice was necessary to cover their many failings. And through their offerings, they would show their thanks. It was all a picture of what Jesus would accomplish for us. He is the Word who became flesh and lived among us, John writes in the Gospel. Literally tabernacled among us. Again, it is the writer to the Hebrews who tells us, Jesus did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Israel's tabernacle was a picture of our home in heaven. John writes in Revelation And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place, again, literally, God's tabernacle, is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is God's ultimate plan in Christ, to live among us in the perfection of the new Eden, heaven. Again, I want to mention that Professor Wentland's People's Bible Commentary on Exodus and Professor Reed Lessing's devotional commentary on Exodus both served as valuable resources in preparing this podcast. 
Next time we'll look at the furnishings in the outer courtyard as well as the garments of the priest. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.